I'm Dr. Gene Hansen. For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, September 23rd, 2017. The only thing we have to fear is the economic decline in the dollar. Black Late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Good morning. Good morning. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon, your host this week. I'm here with Jarrett McKenzie and DJ Barker. That's right. Jarrett was talking about all of his designations earlier. He's a, he's a CFP and a AWS. And what? Is that not oh. it? Oh, it's, um, a, it's a CWS. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I, Guys, I, I I'm, I'm your new host this week, I'm Jarrett sorry. McKenzie. <laughs> Troy's this, Jarrett, this is Jarrett McKenzie. He's an AWS. Since <laughs> <laughs> I can't say oh, that on the air. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying just, to keep just up with for you. the week. Yeah, I'm working so, on this so third you, one. You really do. You got a certificate right. there, and and I think it's really going to be funny. Go ahead and read off what that says, Jared. A business grammar and proofreading specialist. Is business grammar different than just normal grammar? Let me defer to Kelly Lynn. She set this up. No, no. <laughs> generally not. I figured your answer to... was going to be no, huh? <laughs> uh, no. I reckon. <laughs> All right. I reckon. E- either way, I, I just find the, the humor in it personally. Hey, look, I mean, you gotta, you hey, got to pick up letters where awesome. you can. Congratulations, by the way. I know uh, Troy's and, making fun here, but and, congratulations, uh, you know Jerry. Yeah. I'm, prou- I'm proud of you. EJ's mad at me because I also impugned his designation. <laughs> right, the, you messed the up the one that CWS we both have. In the re- I mean, come I, on. I only, I only applied it to you. DJ, on the other hand, <laughs> is definitely a CWS, yes. right, DJ? That is correct. Thank you, Troy. How about that? Well, there you I go. got the thanks. That's right. All right, guys, um, enough of the foolishness. So the market is... Let's get serious. Uh, you know, the market been kicked around lately because of uh, all kind of things. And if I could find... A lot going on. It just keeps inching on up, though, huh? Yeah. It's, uh, day up, it, it, day down. You know what? Day up, day down. That's the one thing that has been common. 11.83% year-to-date. Through the taping of the show, mm-hmm. uh, information technology pulled back a little bit. Last week, I think it was up year-to-date 25 and a half. It's up only 24.99 at mm. the moment. Wow, what a big pullback in that yeah. stuff, huh? <laughs> Still leader for the year. Yeah, right? it definitely is. I uh, lost 20 basis points, or 0.2% this week. Um, but again, you know, it's just awesome this, to watch technology go. Uh, if you look at the uh, valuation on the market overall, it's one of the things that I watch pretty closely uh, we're price to earnings ratio 21 spot 46 when I came up here today. Long term uh, average 16.47. We're about 30% premium to the long term average in the S&P 500. Now I've talked a lot about why this mm-hmm. is. Obviously, there's a lot of expectations for growth. We had 15.5% uh, earnings growth in the first quarter, uh, 9.6% in the second quarter. Again, you know. Pretty awesome numbers. Sure. Uh, and the more that goes on, it, it does two things. Number one, it might stoke those expectations for future growth, but it mm-hmm. also 
as those earnings grow, it actually corrects that valuation issue for a little bit. You know? Well, so that, yeah, and that begs the question then how much further does it have to, you know, we're getting a lot of questions about things being right. at such a premium. Sure. And that's one of the things I try to explain to clients a lot of times is that can, it's, it can catch up. Yeah, it seems very expensive because of the level at right. which we've come. Uh, but to your point, you know, the, 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 the more earnings that continue coming along. Right. And, the, and that relative health coming out of these companies will, con- I mean, I think there's still some room to sure. go. Sure. So Absolutely. if you think about it from this point of view, 11.83% year to date for the S&P 500 price increase. Mm-hmm. 15.5% plus 9.6% is going to overwhelm that number every single time, right? So while it's not just an addition problem, it's 15.5 times 1.096, you know, we get a pretty significant increase. It's uh, sure. it's more than the at its face value, you know, looking like, um, what would that be, 24%, 25%, uh, while while the overall S&P is up 1183. So you can see mm-hmm. earnings are catching up with the price, uh, but they're they're not there yet. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, some interesting things in the news this week. Uh, obviously, uh, economics, probably the biggest thing that everybody's been watching is the FOMC monetary policy. Uh, Janet Yellen came out and told us that uh, while they didn't have an increase for us this week, uh, probably see four next year. Maybe even one before the year end. Uh, if you look at uh, options implied probabilities, we're a little bit over 50% now in December 2017 for a rate increase. Well over 50% for a rate increase in March mm-hmm. of 2018. But the big news is, again, next month, October, they're going to start unwinding that balance sheet that we've talked so much about lately. Uh, the way they're going to do it is uh, starting, they're going to allow treasuries and, and uh, mortgage-backed securities or agency bonds uh, as well mm-hmm. roll off, meaning mature yep. and not be replaced. They've uh, capped it at about $6 billion per month. Um, every three months, they'll add more to that. They'll add $6 billion more mm-hmm. until they get to a total of $30 billion rolling off per month. Uh, and, you know, how does that measure up? Well, we had when this whole uh, when our recession started, the the uh, balance sheet of the Fed was about $800 billion. Now it's at 4.5. It's somewhere between 4.3. I think I've seen it reported to $4.5 trillion. Mm-hmm. So significant increases. Yeah. It'll take a while to unwind this thing. Absolutely. So is that considered contractionary? I mean, as far as... Yeah, it's a tightening. Yeah, it is it's a tightening. tightening. Yeah, yeah, so <clears throat> it's... it's um, not the exact equivalent, but on par with an increase in interest rates. Right. It is a tightening, yeah. So, you know, the last time we saw some of this, what was it, late 15, mm-hmm. we saw a taper in the in the purchasing. Um, and the next thing you know, uh, they're calling that the market had a fit. They called it the taper tantrum, right? <laughs> yeah. um, market did go down. That was uh, that was late summer, early fall of uh, so 50, I believe it's who who might be or who might we expect to be the winners and losers of this new policy that the Fed appears to be moving towards? I mean, just generally speaking, maybe even sector wise and not individually, but yeah, you know. Well, if you uh, saw what the market did immediately, it uh, it it, it um, judged that as a tightening policy. Mm-hmm. The market sold off by about thirty four or thirty five basis points, which means it fell by point three five percent. Mm-hmm. Um, why this matters? Well, it it 
tends to uh, increase your cost of capital, especially those who have uh, levered up, meaning, you know, borrowed more money. And, and uh, that's, that's been pretty rampant. If you think about how many companies have actually borrowed and mm-hmm. then used the, the capital from that borrowing to buy down their equity. They, all kind of companies are buying back equity mm-hmm. these days, right? So uh, equity generally tends to be more expensive than debt, in a, in a manner of a way to finance your business. So uh, as, you, as you have uh, a policy of tightening, the, the big fear is that it gets out of control and the long end of the yield curve, especially treasuries and mortgages, yeah. spike mm-hmm. higher. Yeah. Um, I think that it can be controlled, especially if they follow the policy that they've laid out. However, this has never been done. Mm-hmm. So there is a fear. Um, What's never been done exactly? Uh, the unwind of quantitative easing—that was mm-hmm. a, a new policy, and we haven't seen the, the Fed's balance sheet. So they've not even done this, this to a slight degree. Well, they've done it point. maybe to slight degrees, but never what we're looking at. The magnitude, system. right? Yeah, yeah. It's the volume. It's—it's a, uh, it's a pretty uh, impressive situation to have to deal with. Sure. And I say impressive, and by that I mean a bit fearful. So, uh, you know, to sit on the sidelines and watch, that's one of the things that uh, that we want to make sure that the Fed gets right. And, you know, uh, we talk to Roger Tutterill around here all the time. One of the things that he says uh, is that uh, recoveries from recession do not die of old age. It's usually the Fed that kills them. And in past times, he's talking about interest rate policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, while we do have to think about that, you know, it's this could be – I mean, right now, I think it's a lot more important to be focused on the actions of the Fed. Sure. Uh, of that $6 billion they're going to roll off every month, $4 billion is going to be those uh, mortgages and, and uh, agency securities, meaning U.S. government agencies, maybe mm-hmm. Freddie, Fannie, those those kind of things. It's also uh, Federal Home Loan Bank. There's all kind of agency securities out there, and, and it's part of the balance sheet that the, the Fed has used to uh, – um, to manage those longer-term interest rates, you know, yeah. the, the interest rate that they – their overnight lending rate, which is the, the policy rate that they always talk about, is really just for that overnight, very short term. So um, uh, in this instance, it's it's something that's, uh, that's really important and something that's definitely to be watched. Uh, if you look at some of the other data this week, um, have a little bit of a wrinkle in – uh, the employment situation, we expected that due to the disruption from hurricanes. Uh, retail sales actually took a small step back in August as well, uh, fell 0.2%. Autos were the big drag. Uh, higher gasoline prices boosted uh, nominal retail sales at those gasoline stations and other retailers that sell gas, among other things. Um, industrial production was down a little bit. Uh, new residential construction was down. There was a bright spot in the middle of that, and it was that housing permits actually stepped up in uh, uh, in August relative to their year ago level. Um, but really, the the main interest there was uh, was Fed and its policy, and you know that's the big piece that we've been watching. So, uh, guys, we got a whole lot to cover today. Let's uh, take a quick break though, and uh, we'll come back with a dog of the week. Y'all stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. It's time for the Dog of the Week. All right, guys, here we go. Dog of the Week. 
seems like uh, there's not only one of these out there, but I'm going to let you guess what I'm talking about. Uh, recently, there was a data breach. Hmm. Sound familiar at all? Not what? yet. Not, you don't, I'm, and yeah. the entity who had the data breach stated, now this is what, 2017? Mm-hmm. They said, oh yeah, back in 2016, we knew all about that. Yeah, that was last that, year. Why are you bringing up all that stuff? Does that sound familiar at all to anybody? Still, no. <laughs> Uh, but the thing is, this is the Securities and Exchange Commission, not. I saw thoughts. this right before oh, we came up. Yes. Yeah, this is yeah. Uh, to me. This is uh, obviously not on the level of the the one that you thought I might have been talking about, Equifax. But mm-hmm. the reality is, there there's too many similarities, and the fact that uh, they said that what's bothering them now about this, obviously, if the SEC they get information from companies prior to. It being made public might just be minimally, but it's still before it gets made public. Sure. So what can happen if you've got information that the rest of the market doesn't have, you trade on it, and immediately it gets announced, and guess what happens? The price falls or rises one way or the other direction. They say that they've been doing some studies, and people are asking questions about why the prices are moving about 30 seconds before the actual announcements are being made. If you watch on a tick-by-tick basis, the market has done this for quite a long time. In fact, I've even seen companies' stock price ramp up an hour, two, three hours before a, a positive announcement. So... You know, that's the kind of thing that the SEC is worried about at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys got to, I mean, everybody, you got to be mindful of the fact that we live in a digital age. Mm-hmm. The data that you see might have been seen before by somebody who's doing something for an illicit gain, even at the SEC. So, uh, you know, while I'm doing that more or less tongue-in-cheek, mm-hmm. uh, data breaches are real. Yeah. And I know we've got a question or two this week, and we had a question or two last week about Equifax and what to do. It's a hot topic uh, right now. It, it absolutely is, but uh, I think you guys had a little bit of something you want to talk about and how people can go in and uh, maybe protect themselves from the damage that could have been caused by these Ill- illicit hackers uh, of Equifax, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, how to protect yourself, you know, how to monitor accounts that are existing that you maybe haven't had a problem with, uh, how to protect your information via email, um, you know. You know, uh, there's several different, you know, companies out there or, or organizations that, so let's go into how to protect the email before you even get hacked. What's the best way? How can I protect anyone getting my information anywhere? So let's look at email. Uh, obviously, we see a lot of email accounts being hacked in our industry and even our client base. They, sure. they send us an email, say, hey, somebody's taken over. Don't respond or open any of our documents. Yeah, we've even gotten emails requesting assets be sent to somebody, yeah. and, and we protect that. It's uh, become quite common. Yeah, I mean, but but the way that we protect that is we make sure that we talk to that individual before we... Conversation. Yeah. There's nothing uh, like especially a if you're phone trying call. To, trying to tell you to send the money offshore. <laughs> right. I mean, what, what better yeah, trigger so is that than... I think that's a red flag. There may be a red flag there. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's, a, it's the bull and the red flag. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, you know, there's there's password managers. Basically, you know, LastPass, you know, RoboForm, there's a few, do, you know, there's a few uh, companies out there that will that you can look to, to that will give you ideas. You know, if you use your Social Security number and date of birth and first and last name to 
protect yourself on accounts and or email, that you, you need to reconsider. Yes, the something way you're random and uh, crazy, not easily discernible by a very a large. Yeah, sure. Shouldn't tie to multi-tiered your, type your other information at all. Well, and these days it's the phishing attempts that are really yeah. even overwhelming the, right. the pass because, you know, it's it's a much harder thing for the hackers to do to guess your password. And right. So now they've just come up with clever ways to get you to give them your password. Yeah. Right. Click on this uh, fun link. <laughs> see well, pictures of me. It looks like this. it's from my bank. Exactly. That's yeah. what you see a lot. Oh, yeah. you've, they, they try to scare you, mm-hmm. you know. And to believe in that, that something's wrong with your bank account, you need to right. log in, and you go to this link right here to log in to figure it out. Sure. I mean, Next thing you know. That one's oldest. Done. Mm-hmm. One but of the older, but older tricks. But they're successful. Point. They are, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're sending this out. Right. There's a reason we talk about doing. this. We talk to our clients about it, and guess what? They're yeah. successful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're going to yeah. keep, keep fishing in these terms to, yeah. to get these assets and to get the... Um, the account right. information. Right. Well, speaking of clients, I mean, this is something that we've been seeing a lot lately because of this Equifax issue, and it's coming up, and we're getting a lot of calls on what do I need to do, who do I need to go see or, or call, or, or, you know, what steps should I take? And, you know, I've kind of been leaning on, and, and I don't know, DJ, you, you, may, you may have spoken to people uh, about some other options, but the two I'm primarily focused on is obviously, one, the credit freeze that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people would recommend in this instance if you don't have a need for credit, right. uh, if you don't have uh, you know any intent in the near term, the short term to go and obtain a loan or anything like that, maybe the credit freeze is the best thing for you. I mean, you know, we were talking before the show about the difference between uh, identity theft and just someone hacking your account, right. or maybe you know they've got your American Express card number, or maybe they've hacked into your Amazon account or whatever. That's going to be quite different than the identity theft that I think you've you've got some experience with, right? Yeah, uh, and so yeah. The, a, a, a charge for here and there is not necessarily it, yes it's it's a it's a sure. it's a problem but right. you call the card you call your bank and say hey I, I need that fifty two dollars back and, sure. and usually right. they they handle that relatively quickly it's pretty yeah. straightforward it's I, when I've it's when they about take it on air before I mean I got caught in in uh, the Target hack and uh-huh. as well yep. as the Home Depot I mean mm-hmm. I, my credit card has been hacked several times sure uh, they just take the number they go out and make a new card. Mm-hmm. And they go out using it. In fact, obviously, I live here in Georgia, but somebody, the, my card company, called and said, "Are you at the Home Depot in Virginia trying to?" Uh, no, no. Yeah. no, it's not me. I right. promise you. That's the really common thing. But yeah. coming, I mean, when 143 million people you know, have their information compromised, chances are there's going to be some identity theft. And so it's not as simple as making this card to the credit card company or call to the credit card company, right? And so, you know, there are some precautions that you'd probably want to take that credit freeze being one of the most substantial ones. But, you know, some people, myself included, uh, given what, you know, everything we've got going on right now, I can't go and freeze my credit. So what do you do? And this is something I found that a lot of people hadn't, hadn't thought about or just maybe weren't aware of. But, you know, there's three main credit bureaus. You've got the Equifax, you've got the TransUnion, and the Experian, Experian, right? So then you get a free credit report from each of them every year. Now, if you go and pull them all at the same time, then you're looking at your credit report one time in, you know, throughout the year. Exactly. Whereas if you want or choose, you can actually spread those out and you pull one from each of the bureaus every four months. That's going to give you a little bit better ability to monitor the report across the course of the year. So if you need for it to remain open so that you can access credit lines and things like that, you can, there are still ways that you can periodically 
periodically check in and see if things are happening. And obviously, in the meantime, uh, across those four months, you know, keep a close eye on your accounts and things like that. But Great um, karma. And you're yeah. saying, you know you can pull your accounts, but if you use a service like Credit Karma or something like that, they'll Absolutely. they will you know, alert you. Um, yeah. You know, but if if you're a, you know if you are a victim of identity theft, you know the biggest thing is like you said, freeze your credit if you can. If you're not, you know, pull your pull your reports. Make documentation when you're making these calls to any and every card company, bank, institution. You know, keep a log of what you're doing, who you're talking to, the employee number. Um, keep a you know you're going to have to file a police report, or it's a good idea to to document for law enforcement purposes because you don't know how when you when you first notice it you don't know how long and how the what the extent of the damage is right when you first start so you need to start immediately documenting every single thing that you do every police report you file so you may live in Cobb but the the theft may have occurred in or the purchase may have been done in Fulton County sure. well unfortunately then you have a jurisdictional you know mm-hmm. issue or even where out did, of state exactly mine was. you know you, you may have to call that agency and make a phone yeah. you know phone report um, to you know, to document this, mm-hmm. then you're going to need to get that that report from the police department and file. So I was a victim in 2003, and it was it's a the the I I built a 46 page document that I had to send to all the credit reports, and wow. it took over a year. This was an identity theft. It was an identity wow, theft. That 46 hurts. pages. Wow. So you know, it just starts off as a credit card. Next thing you know, you know, it takes time. So just right. document everything. You know, stay safe and. and you know, be a little bit vigilant, anal about it. You yeah. know, if you can, absolutely, you've got to you've got to make sure that you're 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 protecting yourself yeah, the best days, you can. These days, you can't keep credit freezes are going to be Yeah, right? I mean, it's just it's too easy for these guys. Yeah, they get away with too much. They're yeah. pretty clever, and uh, giving them any sort of a, a easy pick, like you know, mm-hmm. we were talking about with an email and you responding. Man, that's just they, uh, once yeah. they get it's, you. Yeah, one that that one response is all it takes. Then they yeah. really. Yeah, jump absolutely. in. Absolutely. Well, and if you get something that's suspect in your email, I mean, look, call the the institution, the organization, you know, whatever it is. That's not the only way that you can verify and and guess right. whether or not this is valid yeah. or authentic. Yeah. And so pick up the phone, give them a call, or you know, I know our IT department a lot of times recommends. Look, if you don't trust. Uh, whether or not this is a, a valid link, then go and type it into your address bar within your Internet browser yeah. and go to the page directly that you think it's for, and that way you know where you're going as opposed to where that link may or may not be taking you. And that's going to be a lot safer than uh, clicking on a link that you're unsure of, particularly when it's from someone who oh, you don't yeah. really don't know. Oh, yeah, don't click on that link. Go and from, create your new one, the one that you always use to log Absolutely. in. All right, guys. Well, let's take a real quick break. Uh, we do have some questions. In fact, one about Equifax on the other side. Do I invest yet? We'll uh, dive into that when we get back. Uh, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from atop the Hensler Financial Building in the heart of Georgia's financial district, Kennesaw, Georgia, this is Money Talks. Money Talks. World headquarters. Absolutely. This thing will fade. We'll probably get on with the radio show. I thought you said you were a DJ at your high school prom or something. Is that you like you just hadn't you I said I went with DJ to my high school prom. <laughs> That's different. Well played. All right. Well anyway, played. Uh, 
Thanks, DJ. For... <laughs> yeah. Okay, this just got awkward. I'm going to step out. I'm yeah, go, go right ahead. If you, if you can't handle heat, step out of the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, it's about that time. Yeah. They no still doubt. had record players, I, I would imagine, when you went to your high school program. Uh, no. No? No. Eight, Eight tracks. tracks. Of course. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It was way Come back on. in the day. All right, guys. <laughs> Troy Harmon, Jarrett McKenzie, and DJ Barker talking right. to you about financial questions. We'll be willing to answer any and all of your financial, economic, financial planning. You sure. give it to us, and we'll give it a try. Um, so in order to contact us, you can call our question hotline at 1-855-429-9166. Our next question actually did come to us from the question hotline. Uh, but you can also reach us directly, 770-429-9166. You can speak to a real person if you call that number. If they don't pick up, you can leave a message there, and they'll call you back. Uh, or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. If you want information on our company, Hensler Financial, you can go to hensler.com as well. Uh, basically, if you type in Hensler, you should be able to find us. Um, so we have a question, as I teased before the break, about the investment side of Equifax. Um, you know, the breach Imagine is it's pretty cheap. At Has it taken a hit? Well, it's, What's going it's on down 35 <laughs> to 37 percent. Depends uh, on what time of the day you look at it. I'm, um, I'm going in. You know, we got a we got a company that's uh, about ten and a half billion dollars in market cap at this point, but it lost a third, uh, more than a third mm-hmm. of its full market cap. So we're down from 15.8, I think it was at the top mm-hmm. just a couple of months ago. Um, so is the damage done? I mean, ser- well, in all seriousness, yeah. how much of a buying opportunity might this be? Okay, so I, I talked about this last week, and I really do believe that the stock's value is probably higher than this, but I'm not sure. And the problem is we still keep seeing this thing unfold. It's like a slow-moving train wreck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have the breach, which would be bad enough, but then you get management that says, uh, we'll help you out, we'll freeze your credit, or we'll let you check your credit. But in order for you to check your credit, you're going to have to sign off that you won't sue us. Uh, come on, guys. Yeah. Something yeah. you caused, and now you're going to help us and mm-hmm. try to keep yourself intact at the same time. That's a little tacky. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. and then they tell us that, oh, yeah, we knew this months ago. Another tacky move. Uh, we had a patch that could have fixed it but didn't. I mean, there's all kind of things that just keep coming out. They gave, uh, they gave, um, they would let you freeze your credit, gave you a password, but it turns out that it was just based on the time and the day that that you were uh, requesting the freeze. I, there's just too many things that have gone on. What I really believe, and I said this last week, I believe the CEO is going to wind up. Losing his position. Well, that's what I was going to say. Wouldn't, wouldn't, because I imagine that's what will come out of this, right? He's going to get ousted to, to one degree yeah, or another right. opportunity to retire. Sure. Okay. So would that maybe not be seen as a good thing by the market in that Ultimately, there's a change in yeah. leadership that yes. clearly has not been right. able to manage? You know, so he hasn't been fired yeah. yet, so what are they waiting on? My yeah. my take on it is the worst. They're, yeah, they're, they're waiting, waiting on, on the, they're waiting on to see is there any more fallout. Yeah, once right. they have all How the worst will it uh, get? When, once they have yeah. everything lumped together and it probably won't be long, mm-hmm. they will uh, they'll make an announcement that he's gone. They're going to hang that on him and let him go away. The issue yeah. is me and you and Jarrett and everybody else listening to us are not really customers mm-hmm. of Equifax. We're customers of the retailer Mm -hmm. or the card company that reports our information 
it's kind of a uh, centralized location for them to know information on us to determine what what risk we are mm-hmm. for them to extend credit. So uh, in the end, we can't ask to be clients of theirs or ask not to be clients of theirs. You can't quit them. So ultimately, I think Equifax survives. Uh, Equifax gets sued. Equifax loses their CEO. But ultimately, I believe that you will see the they price will. go higher. They Even right on. now, when we look in the market, uh, the price has fallen, as I said, 37%. As of the recording of this show, uh, the uh, the average opinion of all analysts who put their opinion in Bloomberg, our, our uh, news terminal for uh, for financial news, they say that the stock is about 27% undervalued mm-hmm. right now. Do I say it's time to buy? Not, not yet. I would say you're, you're not going to buy it at the bottom if you do it the way that I would do it. And, by the way, we don't trade securities. We're not in that business. We're investors. We look for companies that have solid earnings, uh, earnings growth, uh, profitability, and, and a valuable price, meaning a, an attractive sure. price at the, you know, relative to those fundamentals that I just talked about. And that's where we invest. Uh, but at the moment, Equifax looks cheaper than I think it will in a year. But I don't think all the news is out, and I don't think the the final lawsuit has been filed. I really think it's probably early to buy. But I, you know, if you're into taking a risk like that with some fun money, maybe I don't well, think you ought to Vegas put it in your retirement account. No. Right. right. Does does it or the other two bureaus? Do you know if it meets our criteria? They do. Have yeah. you looked at it? Yes, yeah. all three of them, uh, including Fair Isaac. I mean, there's there's a lot of those type companies. And if you think about uh, think about 2007 and 8, mm-hmm. the government was trying to hinge or trying to hitch uh, the whole downturn on who? Moody's, S&P, the rating agencies. They had done us wrong. They uh, yeah. allowed for these horrible mortgages to be put in, uh, in with other mortgages that weren't so bad, but all of them failed. Uh, it, it cost investors a lot of money. Sure, that mm-hmm. did happen. Uh, it wasn't all their fault. The fact that some of those mortgages were even being backed by uh, by the likes of uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, in my opinion, was was suspect. Which, who allows that? It's the regulator. Yeah. Uh, but in the end, those companies survived. Um, didn't get sued. It was a bit of a different situation. You know, there wasn't a breach of somebody else's information. But in in the end, it looked as bleak for them at that time mm-hmm. as it does for Equifax at the moment. Um, these are all privately owned, right? The bureaus, or is that a, is that a and even the Moody's and um, yeah, Moody's and and S and P are both uh, publicly traded, right? These are not government entities no, no, that no, are, are not at substantial risk of failure no, if something like this takes private place. Private held but publicly traded companies, right. yes, absolutely. Yes. So, um, <clears throat> the the my my ultimate opinion is, yeah, they've been beaten down probably beyond where they should, but the market overshoots a lot, especially if the news is horrible mm-hmm. uh, or if the news is really good. Uh, it'll it'll buy up. <laughs> Think about it, That's what the tech bubble was made of, right? Yeah. Everybody thought that they'd never lose a dime buying a, a company if, as long as it had dot-com at the back of it. Right. It's, uh, it's just one of those anomalies that happens quite a bit. Well, can I ask you this? The might... TransUnion and Experian stand to gain from this more, more than a rebound in Equifax. No. I mean, 
No, I don't think so. So you think there's more opportunity in, in, in Equifax than if you were to try and say, okay, yeah. well, if they're going to fare better because of this breach on yeah. one of their competitors, essentially. Yeah, if you look at the price of, of any one of these companies, it still looks, you know, they, they all st- still look relatively expensive like the rest of the market does. But you look at, it, at uh, Equifax, and it's clearly been beaten down uh, over the last two weeks. Sure. Um, but again, you know, this is not an investment. This is more of a speculation. This is something that somebody might go out and and uh, you know, take a flyer money. on. Yeah, it's this yeah. is not to put in your retirement account without a doubt. Yeah. 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 So uh, anyway, Ed Kelly, that is your answer. We appreciate you uh, you submitting it. Uh, guys, we got a, a question here, and I'm going to let this one, since it is an audio question, I'm going to let it run. We'll answer it to the best of our ability in the next few minutes if we uh, have to. Take a break in the middle of it. We'll come back and talk about it. But here you go, Adrian. Debt to income ratio. Here you go. Hello, my name is Adrian. I'm calling from Austell. I wondered if you could tell me what's considered a good debt to income ratio. I still have a little bit of unsecured debt from a divorce a few years ago, and I'm going to be in the in the market to buy a house in the next couple of years. I just want to make sure that I'm going to be a good candidate for a mortgage. Thank you. It's probably a good idea to think about, you know, you got a, a purchase, big purchase coming up. You know you're going to use some debt. Sure. So Just planning. Love to yeah. see that. Absolutely. Yeah. Planning Thinking ahead. Guys. That's right. Because it may take some manipulation. Ask. I mean, that, that's a yeah. great question, especially if you're considering a mortgage, because generally a bank's not going to want to see anything north of, say, 40 to 45% uh, debt to income. And so, you know, if you're planning something like that, you may want to try and move some things around so that you do eliminate some of that debt if you can, uh, because it's going to be a lot different a lot more difficult in the underwriting process with a bank if that debt-to-income ratio uh, is more substantial. Now, as far as when, uh, let's say, you get the mortgage and uh, you're looking at debt-to-income ratio then, I mean, generally speaking, you want it to be lower. The banks obviously want to loan you money because that's partly how they make their money, and so they're going to give you a little more flexibility. But generally speaking, we'd want to see it no more than, say, 25 or 30 percent is the general rule. So uh, we'll get a little more information on that whenever we come back, but maybe this will be a good point to take a break and then circle back around with some more uh, aspects of her question. All right. Well, here we go. You're listening to Money Talks. Y'all stick around. We'll be right back. that I've used today has uh, been pretty uh, sedate. But, hey, we're getting it. It's across the board, but that was the best song you've played by far. What, like in the last month? Is that what you're saying? Uh, Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate the vote today, of confidence. Today, I'm huh? not sure. you got some suspect picks sometimes. Let's, but uh, let's to get you back today. to Adrian from Austin. <laughs> and That's right, Adrian. That was quick. <laughs> coming, coming back to you. Hey, before you do that, though, Again, you can reach us at one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. That's our uh, recorded question hotline. Uh, you can call us directly seven seven zero four two nine nine one six six, or you can email us at drgene at hensler dot com. That's right. Go on our website, check that out. Um, you can also reach us through multiple venues and social media, including yeah, LinkedIn, give us a call. yeah, Facebook. We got all kinds. Cheapest free advice you can get. 
cheapest free. <laughs> Let me think about that while you talk about Adrian hey. from Austin. Well, exactly. Adrian, you, you pose a great question, and I know there's a lot of folks out there that probably have the same one, and, you know, that's what I mean, honestly. You know, you, you took the time to submit this question to us, and so, you know, it's, it's good to be able to talk about these things and remind people that, you know, there are certain considerations that you want to make, and in your case, one that you should probably make early on because, again, it, it very well may take some manipulation and, and movement of things uh, to the extent that you can because, again, you know, if, if you are after the mortgage, then you're going to want to, or the bank, I should say, is going to want to see a debt-to-income ratio uh, really no more than the, the 40 to 45% level, like I said. Uh, but just generally speaking, when you're kind of planning for budgeting purposes and your month-to-month cash flow, uh, you want to try to keep it a little bit lower. Uh, you know, when you're talking about a, a monthly house payment and what part of your income go, goes towards that, uh, and, you know, certainly that's going to be a much more appropriate level than what the bank may be accepting of. So, you know, to answer your question, 40 to 45% from a bank standpoint, 25 to 30 maybe, uh, just from a general perspective, uh, keeping it in and around those levels should put you in pretty good shape. Yeah, I mean, and, and if you wanted to calculate this at home, you add up your recurring monthly debt and you divide it by your gross monthly income. It's there you go. Easy enough. Easy enough to try to, hopefully that'll help. Yeah. All right. 40 Absolutely. to 45%. Sounds good. What else we got? Anybody from Paulding today? No, oh. we do have Adam from Kennesaw who says, no. uh, in the no. last three months, one of my holdings seems to be on a fast decline, Apogee Enterprises. I'm coming up on a year holding this. Do I cut my losses and sell? Uh, Apogee, it doesn't look like a terrible company. The, the one thing that I do notice is they uh, design and develop glass solutions for, for enclosing buildings. Uh, you would figure in the aftermath of two major hurricanes in the U.S., they might get a little bit of a pop in yeah. business, but uh, reality is their their long term is, is probably a bit more muted. Glass companies in general have moved offshore, and uh, it makes it difficult for, for them. I think it's going to make it difficult longer term for them to, to uh, um, compete. Sure. Uh, so, you know, ultimately that's, that's what I'm going to say. Probably I would mm-hmm. go ahead and sell. Now, he, they say... Adam says, should I sell now? It's almost a year. Should I sell now or do I wait? Now, this might be, and he doesn't really give us exact detail, but Mm -hmm. it's there's a difference, right, Jared? Absolutely. And, I mean, look, this is something, let me just say, first of all, that this is an advantage that you gain by owning individual securities, kind of going back to something we touched on on one of the previous shows, in that, you know, when you you use ETFs, which I know a lot of people think and are correct in thinking that, you know, this is a lot cheaper, more cost-effective to own it that way. You get the advantage of diversification, and that's true. There's some points to be made about that as well. But this is a big thing that you lose when you invest in that manner because in owning uh, one individual entity like this and being able to uh, step away from it if you if you do want to cut your losses and sell, the advantage you would gain then is your ability to tax or, or harvest any losses, which we refer to as tax loss harvesting. And, you know, particularly here at the end of the year, uh, I'm sure that throughout the course of the, the uh, first half of this year, since the market's been on a pretty good run this year, there's going to be some gains that maybe you've taken. And, and even if you have 
haven't, uh, if you take some losses and recognize these losses, then that's going to give you an ability throughout the course of the remainder of the year to then look to say, okay, well, I've got some losses that can be offset by some gains. And so then maybe you can trim one of these positions that have done well for you, recognize some of those gains and avoid having to pay much tax, if any, because now you've got some losses uh, in, in the sale of this company to then offset whatever gains you might incur as a result of that trim. You can actually use those losses in previous years as well as future years as well, right? Yeah, you can. As a matter of fact, DJ and I had a, a scenario once where you know we took some losses for a client, and uh, the client was none too happy because she, in this case, did not have any gains uh, for that year and didn't feel that she needed uh, any losses to be recognized for her. But it just so happened in the following year, which I think was 2015, which was a, a, a well, not 20, it was 2016, I guess it was last year. It's a really pretty good year. And we had we had done some cross the board stuff and recognized some gains for her that she didn't end up being impacted much at all by because she had this carry forward right. uh, that she was able to use and so yes you can continue to could be she saw the benefit, benefit at that yeah. point absolutely exactly. she was confused at first but saw That's that benefit right. and, and the difference here is yeah. if you sell it if you sold this stock if Adam sold this stock Apogee before the one year he gets a different rate right oh yeah absolutely so you you got short term gains you got long term gains anything previous or prior to twelve months uh, would be short term and that's obviously taxed at a different rate than the long term which is anything beyond 12 months and so uh, the the short term gains are taxed at ordinary income rates where the long term is taxed at long term capital gains rates which for most of us is 15% unless you're in the highest bracket in which case it would be 20% uh, but you know in either of those cases your ordinary income tax rate is probably going to be higher and so you know first your, your short term and your long term losses or gains are netted and then they can they can offset your income to an extent as far as losses go uh, they can only offset long-term losses can only offset up to $3,000 of ordinary income where if you take short-term losses because those are taxed at ordinary income rates then you can actually offset up to more than that potentially as long as those those uh, losses are matching up as far as the short-term or long-term uh, in those cases. And so, yes, it does matter. And, you know, I think that the short-term gains are at least as advantageous as the long-term ones. And so, you know, I would say if it's less, if it's been owned for less than 12 months, I'd probably go ahead and get yeah. rid of it if you're if thinking about it It's a company it that you have no conviction over, sure, I would sell it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All well, right. Well, and that, that, so that kind of leads us into one related and, and final thing here with mutual funds, because this was a question that came up recently as we do prepare for this end of the year uh, push to, to harvest any losses where it's worthwhile to do so. And so as far as mutual funds go, uh, you know, we had a client recently asking about the uh, redemptions that are made at the end of the year and this payout that happens. And while that certainly uh, does not decrease the value of your account or your portfolio because it's being paid out in cash and, you know, it looks like there's a loss in the security, sure. but in fact, the value of the account remains the same or may even be a little bit higher. Yeah. And so that's one of the things DJ and I were talking about before the show is that's actually advantageous in this very same way in that, you know, and we've had the case with our, with our equity fund before where when we when we pay out at the end of the year sure. it does look like it has caused uh the uh 
declining value. So there's a loss on there. Fund pays out a dividend, right? right? Exactly, and it looks like there's a loss, and we can now harvest some of that potentially for, um, you know, if 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 there is an opportunity to do that, it may create the same advantage. Right. There's a couple of things you need to be mindful of. If you've got uh, a fund that's on automatic. Uh, reinvestment. reinvestment. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you buy it, then you can't sell it for yep. 31 days. So you got to be careful. There's some tax rules you got to work around. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so if the price did fall and you bought more, and then you wanted to sell before the year end, usually you're kind of in a pickle. You'd have right. to push it into the following year. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you if the the dividend is paid out, you get cash, and it should be approximately the equivalent of the amount of so the decline. decline you see in that price of that mutual fund, right. and you know the step right behind that is if you didn't reinvest, you can sell, you can mm-hmm. realize that loss because it's only going to be based on the price. Yep. You got a loss that you can apply toward uh, gains, mm-hmm. and then you have uh, you have the cash that you got that was the dividend. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, an interesting situation. So when those happen, you're not actually losing money. The net asset value of that fund is actually decreasing, and you're getting more cash as a result. Right. That's essentially offsetting what would otherwise be a loss if that, right. that value were to go away. Yeah, it is a bit of a confusing situation. So, DJ, is the market up or down this week? We're going up. There we go. I, I always like DJ. I'm always. <laughs> He's a CWS. I don't um, know if you knew that. Yeah, Jared. well, yeah, I do. And uh, uh, in market, since in I do case. have a fellow CWS, so I'm going to go with him today. I'm, I wow. got to say, it's going up, and you know that's wow. rare for me. That is pretty rare for you, and of course, you know what's never rare for me because I'm a broken record. Been right for a while. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, more All often life. than not. That's, All his life. Easy. That's yeah. right. <laughs> All right. Listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.